Civic Conversations is about sharing the good, discovering the civic impact that people are having on the world. Warren, Scott DeSantis here and Grant Parisi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Warren is a longtime business owner, entrepreneur, family man, fitness enthusiast, and close personal friend. He's run Cross Services Group for 32 years and is currently the vice chair of the board of Babson College. He's on the board of the Belmont Hill School, board and treasurer of 10 Acre, and board of advisors at Newton Wellesley Hospital. He is consistently giving back to those around him through uh, sharing his spoken word. Uh, Warren, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your story, and maybe you could start us from the beginning. Sounds great. And again, I appreciate it, Scott and Grant, for having me on your program and uh, look forward to letting people know a little bit about myself. And if it helps them at all, that's fantastic. So I grew up in Wellesley and I went to private school at the Fezzedin School and then the Belmont Hill School. Went off to University of Richmond after that and played Division I tennis there. And right after I graduated, I started my business. And uh, having grown up in a family where my father was a very successful entrepreneur and my mother was also very involved with philanthropy, it was very natural for me to get into both of those areas. And even though graduating from Richmond, I didn't know exactly what I was gonna be doing, I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and had no doubts that I would hopefully be successful at whatever I chose. So uh, one of the things that I did do while I was in college was I got into the car detailing business, which allowed me to earn some money during the summers while also practicing and working out and training for my competitive tennis career. And little did I know that that would be what I would actually start off in in business. And after I graduated from Richmond, I started in the car detailing business as part of a franchise operation out of Greenwich, Connecticut. And we opened our first location in Canton, Massachusetts, in a Jiffy Lube Auto Mall. And it was really exciting for me as a 23-year-old kid right out of college. And, and I opened my business in 1989, which was uh, a recession at that time. But it was just very exciting to be involved with all aspects of the business. I was detailing cars. I was actually the marketing guy. I was the customer service guy. I did everything. And... It was just very, very exciting for me. But I knew very quickly that this business in itself was not going to satisfy my ambitions and what I ultimately thought I was capable of doing. So one of the things, and I feel that the power of questions is very important to everybody, I kept asking myself, what else can I be offering my customers as we continue to grow our business? And that allowed us to look at and think about our customer base and what other services might fit in with what they would be interested in. And as a result, that has led us into residential house cleaning. Uh, we've bought a window cleaning company. We currently own a landscaping division, an irrigation division. We have a carpentry and painting and handyman division. And it's just been really exciting over these last 32 years as we've continued to grow our business, grow our database, and continue to be the trusted partner for a lot of our clients as their home needs have grown and their, their need for services 
we've just tried to bring a much more professional aspect to it and get these people super engaged in it. One of the other things that I did back in 2001, I had moved my location at that time from Canton, Massachusetts to Wellesley Hills. And I grew up in Wellesley, so I really wanted to be in that area. But I knew that we were now running on borrowed time because the landlord of the facility was going to do something different with it. So that caused me to start to have to look and find uh, a new facility that might fit my business and not be too far away from my existing customer base. So a customer of mine found a building in Natick, about four and a half miles from my Wellesley location. It was a much bigger facility than we were used to. We were coming out of 4,500 square feet and this building that I was looking at was 22,000 square feet. But thankfully I was young and didn't really worry too much about all the uh, finances and how it was gonna work. I just was confident that it was something that I needed to do. So long story short, I looked at this building in Natick and on a Wednesday and on Friday, I made an offer and we were underway. I bought my first building. And I can remember that night after my offer was uh, accepted, it was a Friday night. I remember thinking to myself that my whole psyche sort of changed and I felt like I'd kind of moved up to the next level by the fact that I was securing this legitimate asset and I was controlling my destiny a lot more than if I was going to continue to be a tenant and be at the mercy of whoever controlled the space. And that's been a real big sort of philosophy for mine moving forward. I want to always control my destiny as best I can. So anyway, we, we bought that new building, moved into it in 2002 and continued to grow our businesses. I ended up building a squash and fitness facility, which Mr. DeSantis was a proud member of and honed his squash game. So when he went off to Amherst, he was uh, a regular stud. So um, it's been really fun to have that business. We've had a lot of phenomenal junior kids come through this program, a lot of great families here. I also bought my second building in about 2012. So I'd had 11 years of understanding building ownership, was able to buy another building in the park, ultimately bought a third building, bought a fourth building. And most recently in February of 21, I just bought a fifth building uh, in a different park in Natick, but once again, in an office park. And uh, it's been really, it's been a game changer for me, not only financially, but just mentally knowing and owning these beautiful assets that I have, which by the way, all of my service companies service. So we do everything for those buildings from snow plowing to landscaping, to irrigation, to everything. It's been a very exciting 32 years growing these businesses. And on the philanthropy side, I always learned early from my parents that it was important to get involved, especially where your kids went to school and giving back. And so from an early start, uh, I have gotten involved heavily with different schools where my kids attended, 10 Acre Country Day School, which I'm still involved with. I was on the board at Dana Hall School for nine years where my daughter went to school and my wife and my sisters. Belmont Hill, where I attended, I'm on the board there. Babson, I did not attend there, but my son did. And, and I joined the board four years ago and am co-vice chair of the board. 
And then I was asked to join the uh, board of advisors at Newton Wellesley Hospital, which was my first move into something outside the academic world. And it's just been super fulfilling. I, I think it's a huge part of anybody's life when you become a little bit more successful. It's part of giving back. And I think it's just tremendously important in general for to people to get involved. Well, it seems like from the start and and now it's constantly meeting new people through whether buying a building and then having a bunch of new tenants and it seems like you're asking them questions and always always learning from them and never mind all the boards that you're a part of. I guess if you could reflect a little bit more on that and if there are any people early on in, in your career that you were a sponge towards or who, who really had a big influence on you, uh, maybe you could share a little bit more there. Yeah, absolutely. So certainly my father and my mom were a real big role model for me growing up and, and the way they raised our family, the work ethic I saw from them and the success that I saw from my father. But he was always very humble about it. And as a result of growing up in our family and getting to know their friends very well, who very like-minded individuals, many of them were very successful. I always took the opportunity to sit down with or have conversations with friends of my father who was in business and would always feel comfortable asking questions because I think that's very important for anyone. And even at 56 years old today, I still am learning constantly and I find it very intriguing to talk to interesting people, what their businesses are like, how they operate. And, you know, I love reading about successful people. And I, I think it's important that you always stay very curious that way and realize that you never stop learning. And that's what make, makes life really interesting. So I find it, you know, super rewarding and super fun to, you know, get involved with successful people, hear about them, what they do. And, uh, you know, I'm always learning and I find it just part of what makes life so interesting. We notice, Warren, as you describe the trajectory of your career, that the pronouns change sometimes from, from, from I to we o- over time. I'm wondering, from the time when you got started in the 80s and then bought your first building, who else was involved and how did the structure of, of ownership and how did, how did you meet your, your business partners over time? So it's funny, I always, and, and one of the things I failed to mention, so besides my, my parents and my father and there have been others, one of my real business idols was a gentleman by the name of Wayne Heisinger, who started Blockbuster Video, Waste Management, AutoNation, was worth you know $3 billion, owned three professional sports teams. And there was something about his story. I remember buying his book once called The Building of a Blockbuster, And I didn't know much about him at that time, but I read his book and it so resonated with me. Here was a guy that didn't go to college, got involved with the service businesses, recurring revenue type businesses, rental type businesses. And it just, it's a book I still refer back to often. And so I really wanted the opportunity to meet this man who lived down in Florida. And coincidentally, at one of my father's birthday parties, my uncle was there, who was a very large real estate holder on Nantucket and owned a number of homes that used to get rented out by very high profile people. 
we were talking one day and I mentioned Wayne Heising it. And my uncle turned to my aunt and said, I think he's renting one of our homes this summer on Nantucket. So my eyes lit up. My uncle didn't know him at all. But I said, you know what? I'm going to take this into my own hands because if I don't, I'm never going to get an opportunity like this. So I called down to his offices in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I introduced myself to the secretary. I said, listen, I'm not a nut. Mr. Heising is renting one of my uncle's homes on Nantucket. I'm a big fan and I, I, I'm in business myself and I would love the opportunity to speak with him. I sort of thought that was all she wrote and I wouldn't be hearing any more. About a week later, this assistant called me back and said, Mr. Heisinger asked you to give him a call on Nantucket. That time he was staying at my uncle's home that he was renting. And uh, I did. Someone answered the phone and said, my dad will be back shortly and I'll have him give you a call. And I was up at my place in New Hampshire. Phone rang. Warren, Wayne Heisinger. You know, for me, this was my rock star. You know, people think about celebrities and... I was sitting here just marveling at the fact that this guy who I'd always thought about trying to get in touch with, he and I were actually speaking on the phone. So long story short, at the end of that summer, I actually took the fast ferry over to Nantucket. Wayne Heisinger picked me up in his car. I remember the ferry pulling up and I, I, I recognized and knew who this was. And he drove me to the boardwalk or skip whatever it was called. I wasn't a Nantucket guy. And we spent two hours together one-on-one. And, you know, if for nothing else, the fact that I followed through in my interest to meet this person and to be able to sort of hear him and how he thinks was just for a 32-year-old at that time, I believe I was 32, was just awesome for me. And I you know, unfortunately, he and his wife have both since passed away, but it was just a really cool thing. And I, I found it and it, it made me think about as I hit some levels of success and as I get older, the importance of giving back to others, being able to mentor them. I love speaking to classes at Babson. It's just what you do. You, you know, if you've got something of interest that people want to hear about, I think it's your obligation to be able to help mentor and and talk to people about different things. So I just wanted to share that. That was sort of one of those, you know, monumental. Again, it wasn't like he was going to offer me a job. It wasn't like I was going to offer him anything of any importance, but it was just a really uh, neat thing that I was able to follow through on. And I was glad that I did follow through. Most people would have never taken that effort to call his offices and actually get this to happen. And Grant, so back to your other question, I made a decision very early on talking to other successful friends of mine, parents, I made a decision that I was not going to have partners in any of my businesses. And it served me well. It may have made growth a little bit slower in some regards, but I feel very good about the fact that I own 100% of my companies, my real estate, other than my lenders. And it really was just important for me to sort of control my destiny and not complicate it with partners. And again, they're partnerships that can work very well and, and the sort of different skill sets that, that each person brings to the table or many people bring to the table can work really well. But for me, it was just a, an objective that I was gonna continue to run my businesses and my real estate um, 100%. 
myself, but I do have great people around me as well. Well, I know a lot of your success is based off of uh, your work ethic and your discipline consistency. If you could share with our listeners maybe a little bit of your workout routine and uh, your discipline there and maybe some of the parallels that you see with uh, athletics into into the business world. Yeah, and it's uh, interesting, Scott. I think that everybody that's successful has some level of discipline and routine that they put into their life. And I'm certainly no different from having played competitive tennis and always being interested in fitness just for that sport and just in general, the other sports that I used to play at Belmont Hill. I I just always thought fitness was an important part of my mental psyche and, and how I operated and felt during the day. So I've kind of ramped up a lot of the discipline stuff to another level. Um, you know, I stopped drinking sodas when I was a sophomore at University of Richmond and never touched it again. I stopped drinking 24 years ago uh, when I started business school. I've never touched alcohol since. I've never drank coffee. I've never drank tea. You know, I'm a little bit of a workout nut. So I'm on four and a half years of no missed days, seven days a week of working out. And I do love the CrossFit type workouts. I started doing CrossFit in 2009 and then ended up building my own kind of CrossFit gym in our squash and fitness facility. And so I like to do a lot of functional stuff. Um, They're much quicker workouts, but intense. And I think that's plenty. You know, you'll see people get on a treadmill for 45 minutes or an elliptical for 45 minutes or an hour. And that's great. I, I don't have any problem with that, but I think you can get a lot more done in a quicker time frame and keep it interesting and not feel like this boredom is setting over you in your workouts. So yeah, I think discipline and routine are really important. And so, you know, I'm up at five every morning, it's just part of who I am. I feel very good about myself. I, you know, seven weeks ago, I decided I want to get really strict on my diet and, and dial things in. And I've dropped 24 pounds in the last seven weeks. So, you know, I'm currently at 151.3 and, you know, I feel great. It's, uh, it's awesome. And, you know, a lot of people can't do that, but it's just, to me, it comes down to discipline. You know, you, I, I like ice cream as much as the next person or cookies or candy. You just have to say no. And if you're driven to do something and it ties over into business, to everything, they're just routines that you have, you know, Scott, when you and I used to sit down and I kind of opened up my Rolodex, there are a lot of guys I could have opened my Rolodex up to who would have done nothing about it you made the calls, you got in front of those people, you know, these are the little things that make the difference between successful and not successful people. And there's a direct correlation in my opinion about that. I just have to operate a certain way and I don't deviate from that. Well, I feel like with, with discipline and certainly with fitness, there's just this nature of always thinking ahead, right. Of, of, doing it now for the benefits, you know, later, whether it be later in the day and feeling good or, you know, all the translating financial and professional success, I guess, tell, speak a little bit more about the thinking ahead nature you've had with business. You know, last we spoke offline, you'd shared about how you, you did one thing, but you knew in a few years, you'd be doing the next business. So maybe talk a little bit more about the evolution of some of your, your business adventures. Of course. 
as with anybody that starts out in business, I think you always, or an athlete or, or anybody, I think the importance of vision and envisioning something is super important. You know, I remember writing down specific things that I wanted to accomplish as I, and this was two years into my, my business at that time. And I had specific things like I wanted to be in multiple businesses. I wanted to be in the fitness business as well. I wanted to own real estate, not just one building, but multiple buildings. I wanted to get involved on the board level at different places. And, and even though I didn't look at that list all the time, I always knew and felt confident that those things would come to fruition. And it's really cool to now look back on that time frame and see the things that have been accomplished. But I think it's super important to always be thinking ahead, not just looking at what exists currently within your business portfolio, your company, but where are the next opportunities? So whether that's asking better questions and hopefully coming up with better answers, it's just always important to kind of keep things interesting. For me, that's why I love what I do because every day could hold a new opportunity for me and a new direction that we might go into. And by the way, that's, I don't mean it in such a way that I'm getting distracted. There's a typical uniformity to all the businesses and things I get into. When I built my squash club, all of those members were potential customers of my other service businesses. And yet we were also producing another business that drove revenue. Just like with my real estate, I look at all of my tenants as partners and, you know, I want their businesses to do well and succeed. And as a result, I think they enjoy being in my facilities. As I shared with you last week during the pandemic, every one of my tenants continue to pay rent. So, you know, I, I feel fortunate. We, we just have a different way that we look at and treat our customers, our, our tenants, our employees. We want to feel, have them feel good about us and how we operate. And, and that's paid off for us. Do you think, Warren, that way that your tenants or your employees interact with you ha- has anything to do with the track that you've taken to get where you are. I mean, there's, there's a big difference between washing cars, um, in the, in the 1980s to owning a car washing business and then owning real estate and fitness facilities. And seems like a, I mean, it's a lot of different skill sets, um, but it's also a different day to day responsibility, managing people versus doing things yourself. How has that trajectory and experience influenced your relationships in the professional world today? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think it's had a lot to do with it. So listen, even though I was fortunate, I grew up in a successful family. A, I saw how my father operated. He would treat someone at Jiffy Lube the same way he would treat the president of the United States if he was with him. He didn't have any false sense of air about him and and didn't think too much of himself as far as that and for me you know i like starting out as the guy that detailed the cars you know people wouldn't know that i was the owner sometimes i liked having that real connection to working hard at doing this skill that wasn't that easy and and you know i did it for a number of years before i sort of shifted out of that role but 
I think it, it helped me, and I was young, and I should start at that level, quite frankly, but it, it has helped over time. Not that I've done every single thing that all of our different service businesses, you know, I've not been a landscaper, I've not been a window cleaner, I've not, but I understand what it takes to do those kind of businesses. I know they're not easy, and so I have probably a little bit more empathy for those that are in the business and I also realized that they're the ones providing this great service for our customers. I can sell you and I can, I can be the good face behind the business. But at the end of the day, if my frontline workers aren't providing a great service and doing a great job, we really don't have a lot of anything. So, you know, it was always natural to me. I've always tried to treat people fairly. I try to treat them well. I don't degrade them. I don't look down on them. Uh, and I think they can genuinely feel and sense that I care about them. And that's made a huge difference. I'm interested about their families, their hobbies, what they like, what they don't like. And I'm respectful of them. And that has absolutely played a huge role as to why we've maintained employees for many, many years. You spoke earlier about your personal experience uh, with role models in your visit to Nantucket. Do you have a, you know, a story or two of either time professionally or maybe in through some of your you know, speaking or indirect mentorship where you are the, the role model for, for others who have then gone on to be entrepreneurs or take some of your teachings to heart and use, using the hustle and grit? You know, it's interesting. Um, my most recent stuff is my connection and, and chats at BAPS. And, you know, I can always tell whether my story and, and how I am resonate because normally within five minutes after class, I've had 10 to 15 of them connect with me on LinkedIn or ask. In fact, I have a call today at 530 with one of the kids from the class that I spoke at on Saturday. But I had one woman in particular at one of the classes a number of years ago. Um, she was from Mali and a very nice woman was in the food business at that time and was looking for some advice and potentially some money. Now, I'm not a big fan of investing in other people's companies because I like to reinvest in my own businesses. But this woman, I liked her a lot. I thought she was ambitious with her thoughts on what she wanted to do. So I was very free with my time to let her come in and speak with me. And at the end of the day, I loaned her, I didn't make an investment, I loaned her money, and which doesn't always work out well. But you know, I remember she was sort of crying in my office and saying, you know, Warren, nobody's given me a chance like this and I'm so appreciative that you did it. And it wasn't some tremendous amount of money, I don't wanna suggest that, but it was so meaningful to her and I will also say she and her partner at that time, there were two of them, but I was really investing or loaning to this one woman. But the one woman that I loaned, she has paid back her half of the money. The other one actually has to the end of June of 2022 to pay her share back, which the other woman has assured me she will make sure it gets paid back. But it was just, it was, um, it's neat to be able to do that. You know, listen, it's like a teacher. I don't know who I've affected necessarily all the time. I mean, I try to, whether it's my son-in-law, my son, my kids, my granddaughters, um, you know, you hope that you're imparting some wisdom and you're 
resonating with someone, whether someone who, you know, used to drink and they've heard your story, how, you know, I haven't drank for 24 years, whether I've been a fitness person. Actually, I have one story, one family friend of ours, their son had had some real issues with drugs and some other things. And the father asked if he could come maybe work a little bit in my car cleaning business one summer. And I had him come work for me, you know, and I'd have very candid conversations with him. And I said, you know, we all have some addictive tendencies. You just need to figure out how to turn some of your addictions to a more positive addiction. And long story short, this kid got really into fitness, ended up becoming a fitness trainer. His family then bought a farm out in Pennsylvania and they were opening it up to troubled kids. And I don't want to suggest that whole thing came from my, but for this kid that was working for me, I'd like to think there was a little bit of a light that went off and his ability to sort of shift his negative, you know, addictions towards something a little bit more positive. So, you know, listen, we all hope that we're affecting somebody some way, somehow, and whether it's through philanthropy or words of wisdom or role model, whatever it might be, you know, you may never know completely, but you know, I'd like to think that I've hopefully touched some people. Any addictions that you have right now that you're turning into good or new businesses or new ventures or new things that uh, we should all be looking out for coming up? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I'm always on the hunt for new businesses and, and ones that look like they would sort of fit into the realm of what we do. So, you know, we're looking at a recycling business a little bit that that seems intriguing to me. But, you know, I don't know. I, I Again, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. I, I don't know what the day will hold. I don't know where the opportunity might come from. But believe me, we're always thinking about what's next, what might we get into, what fits the customer base that we have, where can we kind of deploy our skill sets to create or help enhance another business that would fit into the mix. So, but you know, in the meantime, I want to just keep trying to make a difference, not only within my organization and my family, but for those around me, you know, I've always said, if you're going to get involved with a a charity or school, use that entrepreneurial grit that you have and don't get on these boards just to be a name or a, a face, get involved, give feedback, be candid. And, you know, I told these students from Babson, it was a public policy type class. I said, you know, if you're going to get involved, don't, don't just do it to be a silent nobody that doesn't do anybody any good. Be candid and, and offer advice and help where you can. What in the, the context of your everyday business, not to not to get too broad, but specifically in your day to day now, Warren, what's giving you the most hope? I guess I see every day the importance of entrepreneurs, of those that are willing and uh, take the chance to start businesses. You know, as I employ 30 so odd people, you know, it's, it's neat to see what changes you've been able to make in their lives, what opportunities that they've had to sort of grow within our organization and sort of better themselves. So I, I just, I'm constantly amazed by the power of small business owners, which obviously 
our most of our workforce in the United States and the importance of it. So, you know, I just wish we weren't always feeling like we were running adversarially to the government. And I think that there's, you know, so much good that can come out of it. And when I see all this bureaucracy and the red tape and things that hinder businesses, it I just shake my head at how that could be when we're the ones that are really the fuel to this economy. We are the engine. We're the ones who are making this world a better world and giving people opportunities. So we shouldn't be misaligned. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, my hope is that business owners still stay excited and motivated and not feel like they're being squashed every time that they're trying to grow their enterprise or do something helpful to the economy, to the world. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but there'll always be a place for entrepreneurs for sure. Well, I think your, your energy and grit are, are good examples that that certainly, certainly is the case. Um, Well, well, Warren, it's been wonderful uh, hearing your story and thank you so much for sharing um, your perspective to our to our listeners. I'm I'm energized and ready to hustle just after listening to you. You, you two always hustle. I'm not worried about that. But I, by the way, I'm very honored. It's uh, nice that you guys asked me to do this, and I I appreciate it. It's uh, I think it's a great thing that you're now offering for those to see. It's it's helpful, and I think there should be more venues and opportunities like this because I think people enjoy hearing from real people running real businesses and ones that are attainable. You know, when you sit down and you try to have a conversation with Jeff Bezos, you can get nuggets from him, but let's face it. Most people aren't going to grow Amazon. Most people aren't going to end up being the richest person in the world. So it's nice to hear from real attainable people on what they do, what's worked for them and how they go about things. Well, I I think it'd be, very challenging for anyone else to accomplish what what you have, but certainly the the barrier to entry in terms of some of um, you know some of those businesses that you've done at least you know if you have enough grit and hustle and networking ability, it's not hard to do. It's available for a lot of people. Right on. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Warren, for 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 being on our show today. Grant and Scott, thank you. My pleasure, and I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You can listen in to more civic conversations online on your favorite podcast app.